fitness, nutrition, sleep, longevity, performance, fat loss, and all the keys to a life of health, happiness, and success. I'm Jed Zimmer, your host, and welcome to The Health Project. Welcome back, guys. We've got episode 45 tonight of The Health Project. Russ, I was lucky enough to sit down with a, with a guy who goes by the name of Tom King, very uh, very knowledgeable man from Portland. Um, so we, we were on the other side of the world while we uh, we did have to coordinate some from different time zones to get this one up and running, but it was a ripping chat. Uh, Tom's the CEO, which seems to be quite popular with a lot of these guests. They're either got some involvement or they're a founder or CEO of a business, and I guess that's why they're so successful, and hence the reason I do get them on the podcast to exploit their knowledge and exploit what's got them to such a successful successful state. Um, so he's a CEO, but he's also he's a food scientist. So he spent the best part of about 20 years curiously you know, researching, exploiting knowledge, um, curiously learning, I guess you could say, about all things food, diets, nutrition, how it affects the body, the benefits of certain diets, um, and all, all things related to nutrition and health. So it, it was an excellent chat. We, um, we do specifically hone in a lot on though, um, the ketogenic diet, as well as insulin sensitivity and, I, and, and pretty much a lot of alternatives to sugar because that's what that is the uh, that is the mission of his business which he founded all the way back in 1999 which is titled Stevie Brands which pretty much he, he was on a mission to provide consumers some healthy alternatives to sugar through uh, I was about, we, we will cover it so I won't I won't drop the bomb but um, some of the substitutes that you can utilize instead of sugar, how this can affect the health and so forth. So he's a really knowledgeable man. He's, he's also got a book titled Guy Go on Keto, which is all about the ketogenic diet, as you can probably tell by the title. Excellent book. He, uh, he knows he knows sort of the in-depth pros and cons towards the, the ketogenic diet, and we really go into depth about who this, who this might suit and so forth. So it's an excellent chat. He is a wealth of knowledge, um, and it's really going to be an interesting conversation that a lot of people can take away from because especially when it does come to to insulin um, and reducing sugar spikes, we, we all know by now that how detrimental this can be towards our overall health, whether it's body composition, it can lead to serious inflammation, autoimmune conditions, uh, cancer, obviously because cancer cells, unfortunately, they do thrive off glucose. So any times you do have sudden spikes in glucose, it's not necessarily going to be good for the body. Um, but we, we're going to cover all that today's episode. So I hope you enjoy this one. Um, and we're going to be back again next week for episode 46. But for the time being, enjoy this episode with Tom King. It's a, as, as we've sort of just said off air there, it's a pleasure to, pleasure to be able to sit down and have a chat with you today. Um, I was, I've just been looking over your bio this morning and I'm pretty amazed with the extensive list of, of, uh, the work you're doing. Um, you're obviously either a founder of a business, which we're going to get into in a second. You've also got a, a book we're also going to get into, so we're not going to give away too many things, but basically it all stems around um, a big passion for food and also the growing epidemic of, you know, metabolic disease. So I want to ask where, where did all this spark for you? Was there a bit of a personal story or, what was your big passion when it came to, to came to food and reducing this sort of um, epidemic that we've got going? Yeah, I mean, it is definitely a personal story and it's not really, you know, that I've had family members that have suffered from metabolic disease. <clears throat> it was me, you know, like I, you know, growing up, I was a sugar addict, you know, like I ate tons and tons of sugar. Like I would drink a can of, of, 
you know, of soda and actually put candy in the soda to get it to be sweeter. Um, I mean, it was pretty ridiculous. So I had, you know, I had a lot of like sort of up and downs with my weight, you know, and I think that what brought me into, you know, into keto and into um, my interest in, in metabolic disease was just, I sort of kept putting on weight. Like I would use, I would use like keto and Atkins to, to lose weight. But every time, you know, every time I'd go off, I would just gain the weight back and gain back even more. So, um, I really, you know, probably five years ago, I just, I, I was in Vegas and, you know, overdid it with some, you know, with a, uh, a vendor and got back into my room and just looked in the mirror. And it's like, I, I it, it was like imposter syndrome, you know, mm. it's like, wow, you, I'm dealing with all of these people in, you know, in, in the low carb industry and I'm not even following it. So at that point, you know, it felt like my ethos was, was sort of disrupted and I threw myself fully into keto. Mm. At what point is this Tom? Because obviously back it's, we're looking back to 1999 now, I know is when you, you obviously founded the business, which we'll go into in it shortly. Stevie Brands, is this all well, well, well before that, or was it was it a quick realization and, and um, led? No, to the- it, it was after. You know, it was after because I, you know, we were <clears throat> we manufactured sweeteners, you know, for the sports nutrition industry and companies that were targeting, you know, like low sugar, low carb, and keto before keto was a thing, and. Yeah. So I was deep into the industry when, you know, when I came to the realization, it's like, well, I'm kind of not following my own, (laughs) my own advice. Mm. So yeah, it was about six years ago. Um, It was about six years ago. I mean, I was well into, you know, well into this business um, that I, you know, I just hit a wall and I'm like, look, I can't, you know, I can't, live like this. It's like my blood pressure was super high. I mean, I was carrying about 35 pounds of extra weight, which on my frame isn't that big of a deal. I'm six foot two, but it's how I felt. Mm. And it's the energy level that I had. And at that point, you know, I, I, I've always been really big on journaling. Um, so I just started writing it down. You know, I wrote down the things that it was going to take to have a massive lifestyle change. And after writing it down for a year, I, I actually had a book and publisher liked it and published it. Uh, incredible. Let's just, let's just backtrack though for a second, Tom. So obviously the business, uh, which I, I, I briefly mentioned there was founded back in 1999, I believe is correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. Yep. Which was um, obviously Stevie brands now known as Icon Foods. Mm-hmm. What, what what exactly is he saying there? There'll be a few people listening. Stevia is a word that all um, a lot of people will be familiar with, but what actually exactly is this business that you founded there? Yeah, like so. You, you mean how did I how did I choose Stevia or how Stevia chose me? I guess. I guess you can um, say a bit of both. Yep. And what's um, and then we'll go into a, a little bit of yeah. So yeah, and before ninety nine, you know, I I was living in Arizona and I. <clears throat> you know, um, was in a completely different career. And I ran into a gentleman who had just come back from Paraguay and he had a variety of different herbs and stuff that he brought back. And he, he said, Hey, you should try this. And it was a jar of, of green paste. And, you know, I was adventurous and I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll give it a try. 
and I was shocked. It was probably 25 times sweeter than sugar. And, you know, I asked the guy, I'm like, what is this? This is, you know, this is, is this some sort of sugary paste? And he said, no, it's the stevia leaf. And, you know, it doesn't have any calories. It doesn't have any carbohydrates. And I'm like, how can that be? Mm. You know, it tastes so sweet. And that's when I just started making a deep dive into the science. Like, how can something be sweet and not be sugar? And that's, that really was, that was the genesis that, you know, that took me down uh, this path of just like under uncovering any kind of compounds that are sweet, mm. that are natural, that, you know, that don't impact blood sugar levels. It's the fascinating part about it. So that, yeah, my understanding of obviously stevia, it is, it's, is it an American plant extract? Um, is it, you mean, do we extract it in, in America or is yeah. it grown? In, yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, well, it's usually, it's, it's extracted generally where, it's it's grown and so there's a lot of stevia that's grown in south america there's a lot of stevia and probably most of the stevia is grown in china so <clears throat> when we first started looking for a company to you know to do the extraction for us like i hired a scientist and you know he he came up with a a way to use like a hot water extraction to be able to get the sweet constituents out of the leaves and at that point you know, we found somebody who could manufacture it for us and they were out of China. And, mm -hmm. and today we have several co-manufacturers that we work with that manufacture for us. Some of them are in China, some of them are in Brazil, but in the United States, there isn't, I think that they just opened a stevia, um, you know, like a stevia extraction facility, I think in Tennessee, I read something, mm -hmm. but that that would be the first one that, that I've seen that is scalable in the United States. It's fascinating. And I guess the burning question then is what, what, what you pretty much just mentioned. Um, what's the science behind it, obviously, because it is, so it's calorie free that we spoke about uh, it, and it doesn't have the harmful effects of, of sugar with the, the blood spike and insulin spikes, but how does it taste so sweet then? What, what is the science behind that? Well, I mean, some people like the flavor of stevia. I don't really like it. Um, I mean, and, and just to go back to like, you know, how, why it doesn't affect your blood sugar levels is, but still tastes sweet is because of these things called glycosides and glycosides actually exist in nature and they're found in leaves and, and roots and various different plant matter. Like if you pick up a blade of grass and you actually chew on the end of it and it's like, Hey, that tastes a little sweet. Those are actually glycosides, but there's just a high concentration of those glycosides in, um, you know, in the stevia leaf. Mm. Now we don't need to go into, I don't think we need to go into the science Tom, about why um, constant spikes in, in insulin are, are detrimental to health. Cause I know a lot of my listeners will be aware of that, but outside of stevia, is there any other blood stabilizers, natural, um, natural sweeteners and all that that you recommend or certainly are a fan of yourself? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the company started with stevia and then what we found is stevia is like 300 times sweeter than sugar. So, you know, it was hard for consumers to really use because you would use like one eighth of a teaspoon, you know, would equal basically a whole cup of sugar. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really usable, you know, as a tabletop sweetener like that. And so we started exploring a variety of different sweeteners like alcohol sugars like erythritol and xylitol 
um, monk fruit. I mean, monk fruit is one of our biggest sellers as well. Um, but the one thing that we, <clears throat> what we really thrown a lot of time and effort into is a, uh, is an ingredient called allulose. Mm -hmm. Um, so allulose is a rare sugar that exists in nature, but it's in really small quantities. So like with a lot of things, you know, that are scalable, you know, where you can start making it a, a real ingredient, <clears throat> you, you know, you have to use a fermentation process. Mm -hmm. So there's a particular bacteria that you treat, that you treat fructose syrup with, and it actually converts the fructose over to allulose. And allulose is interesting because it's still a sugar, you know, still functions like a sugar, mm -hmm. like it, it, caramelizes um you know it it like reacts with leavening so you can you know your your breads and stuff can can rise but what's interesting about it is that it doesn't affect your blood sugar levels in fact i found that it actually will lower your blood sugar levels and actually increase the amount of ketones that you have uh in your blood by consuming it which is super interesting just, just on that, obviously you mentioned that allulose is, it still is a sugar there and obviously meaning that it's probably got very, um, I guess, could you say similar chemical formulas to something like fructose? Is that not the same with stevia then? Is stevia not considered a, a sugar at all? It's not considered a sugar at all. So when you look at, when you look at plant-based sweeteners like stevia and monk fruit, those all fall into the glycoside category mm -hmm. when you are looking at any types of sugars like you know if you if you look at glucose and sucrose which is a combination of glucose and sucrose those are all they those all fall under saccharides and so if you have a disaccharide it means that it's two molecules of sugar yeah. so that would be like like sucrose like a you know contains a molecule of, of glucose and a molecule of uh of fructose um so where, you know, where, uh, where allulose falls into it, it is a saccharide, right? But it's a rare sugar in the fact that it, your body does not metabolize it as a sugar or as a carbohydrate. And, and in the US, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to jump in there, Tom. And why is that? Obviously, because with all monosaccharides, whether it's glucose, fructose, whatever it might be, um, if they are a sugar, it is generally believe that they are going to really raise insulin and with allulose being a form of a sugar, how, how is this the case that it doesn't? That's a really good question. Actually, it's the molecular structure of it. <clears throat> so it's the way the carbons are arranged that allulose is metabolized different from your body as, as fructose. And what's interesting about fructose too, is a lot of people, I think a lot of people are under the impression that fructose actually, um, that your body uses fructose as energy, you know, like if you eat a piece, eat a piece of fruit, that that fructose is just going to be converted over to energy. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting about fructose is fructose is not converted into energy. It's not like glucose. So if you have glucose, like if you see runners or, or cyclists that, you know, will eat a, a whole pack of, of just pure glucose that supplies your body energy. The interesting thing about fructose is fructose enters your system and is metabolized by your liver. And so when it's metabolized by your liver, it doesn't get converted into energy. It gets converted into lipids, which are fat. Mm. So if you're eating too much fructose or a concentration of fructose and it, and it overloads the liver, it's going to put it right back into your body in the form, in the form of lipids. 
the difference between fructose and allulose, which is um, which is actually the chemical name for it is decyco. That actually does it gets doesn't get metabolized by your liver, but it gets metabolized by your um, by your gut. And so it does ferment, but it doesn't get metabolized by your liver. Therefore, it doesn't get converted into a uh, into a lipid. Right. And I guess is is that the the primary reason that it can actually you mentioned very early there that it can actually help raise ketones which uh which you generally get from a, a high fat diet um which would not normally be the case if you're going to consume sugar but if, if it's obviously not being broken down in, in the liver as a form of glucose um is that the primary reason that ketones can actually raise by allulose yeah i think that that's part of it i think that that's what raises the I think that's what raises your your ketone levels, but what lowers your blood sugar levels, I think, is like just the remnants or the metabolite that's left behind when they make allulose. So I have like a bunch of of white papers on it, and it you know one of them was made by the University of uh, of Japan in Tokyo about really analyzing why it drops blood sugar level and that was the closest thing that they came up with but yeah because it's not being metabolized by your liver as as fructose um you know you do get a tiny little spike off of um allulose now i'm not saying that if you eat allulose that it's going to put you into keto it's not like a you know beta hydroxybutyrate mm. or you know like a or mct or something like that that immediately converts to to ketones but it you'll get a tiny little lift out of it. So yeah, if someone is supplementing out there with some ketone esters and that, it's yeah. probably not the best idea to substitute no. this value like. <laughs> no, I wouldn't use it. I wouldn't use it to put yourself in keto. I would just use it because, you know, you want to have something that's sweet once in a while. And, you know, if you don't want the, you know, aftertaste that comes with some sweeteners like, you know, I'd like stevia, like some people don't like stevia because it has an aftertaste that is reminiscent of, of maybe licorice or something. And, yeah. um, and some people don't might like monk fruit because monk fruit's got, you know, um, you know, some off notes that might be reminiscent of melon rind. But what's interesting is when you combine those two glycosides and you mix it with, uh, with allulose, you get a sweetener that is honestly like on parity as far as sweetness with sugar. And, and as far as mouthfeel or, you know, or aftertaste, it's almost identical to sugar and functions like sugar too. It's pretty fascinating really. And it's a good leading to the next question I was sort of going to go into, which we sort of um, will lead into very nicely there is with a lot of these, you know, healthy, I guess you could say healthy, natural sweeteners, is this something that all diets and all individuals can benefit from whether they're following, you know, they might be following a complete ketogenic diet where there's not a lot of carbohydrates in the diet, will they, a lot of these sweeteners, will they still benefit from them or it's purely going to be targeted towards a lot of those people who are consuming carbohydrates in their diet? No, I think that, I mean, when because I do a lot of formulations, I do quite a bit of formulations for other keto companies, um, you know, and also people trying to target low carb. And I think that a lot of these novel sweeteners that are coming out, I mean, like, you know, like, uh, allulose and and stevia and monk fruit and even erythritol i mean all of those can effectively you know keep somebody in keto as long as the other macros that they're introducing to their body like if they're getting enough fat um which is the probably the biggest part 
um, you know, as long as they're they're following, you know, that the ketogenic macros, the, these sweeteners are are perfectly fine and a, a great complement to what they're doing. Mm. What are some sweeteners to look out for then, Tom? Obviously, so we've we've spoken about allulose is how it might be a better alternative. Stevia, monk fruit. Um, on the flip side, then if we if we are looking at fruit labels or certain things to look out, I, I know for me, I always see sucrose. After listening to a few podcasts of Dave Asprey, I'll, I'll completely eradicate um, that fruit and and I won't consume it. What do you, what do you, what do you think are things to really look out for then when it comes to sweeteners and and certainly reading food labels? Yeah, I would say if you're looking to, you know, stay in keto, your your biggest nemesis is going to be fructose, you know, because fructose is metabolized by the liver, and so are fats. So you want to make sure that you know, that your body is sufficiently rid of, of fructose so your liver can effectively um, meta- metabolize fats and convert it into ketones. Um, obviously, you want to stay away from sucrose, which is table sugar, um, you know, because that contains fructose, which gets metabolized by your liver, but it also contains glucose, <clears throat> which it affects your blood sugar levels. And I've read I've read papers and I honestly believe this based on my experiences with sugar that sugar does like sucrose table sugar does trigger the same pleasure zone in your brain as cocaine. Mm. And I've I've seen several studies on that. And I mean, at first, at first I thought that was this crap. It's like, no, that's, they're completely different compounds. But when you really dig deep and look into the science of it, I mean, sugar can be very addictive. Mm. Um, you know, and they put it in, uh, in a lot of our food. And I think a lot of people also, you know, will use sucralose or aspartame, you know, for, or, I mean, there's, there's several sort of uh, chemical based sweeteners, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, that people think that is a great way to, you know, to stay in keto and to lose weight. This has been my experience with those. And I have discussed this with, you know, several doctors that you are still going to get a blood sugar lift if you use those artificial sweeteners. And the big question mark was, well, why is this happening? And it's because your body doesn't recognize exactly what you put into it because it's not something that's created in nature. Just with that then, Tom, that's a really good point because I was, I was going to lead into it anyway. What about with diabetics then? Because with diabetics, obviously they, they do need a bit of a spike in insulin. Um, does that, what you've just said then, does that mean these artificial, these sweeteners, things like stevia and that, can this still be beneficial for them or will they still need to consume things like fructose and so forth? Well, I, I mean, if somebody's battling diabetes, I think that, you know, depending on the type of diabetes that they're battling, um, you know, like type one is going to be you know, something you're pretty much born with and you're just going to have to control that through insulin and, mm-hmm. and diet. I mean, type two diabetes, which is probably more prevalent, like by a million percent, particularly in the United States. I mean, type two diabetes is something basically somebody gives to themselves through lifestyle. Mm. So a lot of times, I mean, you know, what I've seen going to like a variety of different, you know, metabolic summits and stuff like that is that the people, you know, folks that have been on insulin and have been type two diabetic by shifting their diet and removing the sugar out of their diet 
in adopting either low carb, high fat, or a ketogenic diet, that a lot of these people that suffered from type two diabetes have lost weight and been able to actually get off their type two meds and keep their, um, and keep their blood sugar under control. Mm. So, but I think the question was, are artificial sweeteners a, a reasonable, uh, ingredient for people with diabetes to consume yeah that's correct yep yeah i well i'm not a doctor so i i wouldn't be able to recommend something like that either way but what i can tell you based on experience is that if you have type 2 diabetes you can probably get rid of it through lifestyle change Mm. if you don't want to make the lifestyle change and you want to consume diet coke diet pepsi a variety of different you know of different soft drinks that contain like aspartame uh ace k and uh sucralose i mean you can do that you're gonna experience a little lift in your blood sugar levels um you know that would it you know would it affect how much insulin you would have to take perhaps i mean i've tested myself and and found that there was a blood sugar level spike after consuming artificial sweeteners Mm. because the brain doesn't understand what it is exactly and it compensates what about things like cinnamon and apple cider vinegar uh there's all sorts of other things too that cold thermogenesis is even one which have proven modalities and um methods to to help lower insulin and help with that insulin sensitivity is this stuff that you also recommend or experiment with Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Like apple cider vinegar is, I mean, I think that's wonderful for helping balance uh, blood sugar levels. I mean, it does a lot of stuff. It also is wonderful for gut health. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, there are a lot of, of different sort of herbal remedies, if you will, that help balance, you know, that help balance blood sugar, but definitely lifestyle change. And, and I would say one of the biggest one of the biggest sort of lifestyle shifts that a person can make, it would be intermittent fasting Mm -hmm. in conjunction with keto. Why keto? Why? And, and for you personally, you mentioned right at the beginning, six years ago was probably where you felt like you weren't following your own advice. What led you to go completely keto? Um, probably the results that I saw. I mean, the weight loss was one thing, but there were a lot of other results that I, that I saw. And a lot of it was brain function, do you, you know, <clears throat> do you ever think, do you ever think Tom, obviously, you know, with, um, with the ketogenic diet, there's all sorts of benefits. Um, and I know I've always said if I was ever diagnosed with, um, an autoimmune disease or something as disastrous as cancer or something, I would go completely keto because it is glucose that cancer cells thrive off. Is there any on the yeah. flip side of that? Have you found any evidence to suggest that someone actually, would benefit from the complete opposite of an extremely high carbohydrate diet, whether it's an elite athlete or so forth. You know what? I don't really have any answers to that because I personally am not, it's not, it wouldn't be, wouldn't fall into my expertise. Mm -hmm. I would say that because I'm not like, I'm not like an endurance athlete. 
you know, I, I work out every day. I know people that are endurance athletes. They do, you know, they do consume a ton of sugar and a ton of, of carbohydrates and it seems to work for them. Mm. And, and I'm not saying that that keto is, you know, keto is the answer, you know, to every single person's problems at all. And keto is something, if it fits for you, do it. If it doesn't fit for you, then there's a lot of other options out there. I mean, it happens to work for me, particularly for inflammation, brain mm-hmm. function, energy levels. Um, you know, it, it's helped me quite a bit. And that's not to say that there's that there are times when I cycle off of it, you know, like I think oh, that if you go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just I was gonna ask that that, that exact question. Is this something are you following it pretty much 24 seven around the clock 365 days a year or are you are you very <laughs> cyclical with it <laughs> well let me put it this way covid really sort of rocked you know my i would say my discipline when it comes to keto um am i a 24 7 365 keto person definitely not um i was probably for the first three years and what i found is that it and you know, even with working out and, you know, and being active and intermittent fasting and doing keto that it might metabolic flexibility started to sort of unravel on me, which meant like I could look at a carb and gain weight. Mm. Like it was, it just got to the point to where I was so carb sensitive that if I, I didn't have any sort of dietary choices at that at that point. And so then I started introducing, you know, some carbohydrates, like three weeks on keto, maybe a week off, um, introducing things like quinoa, um, you know, like, uh, sweet potatoes, you know, things that are higher in carb, but still <clears throat> things that are high in like Oligio fructose, which is like a fiber, which is really good for your, you know, really good for your uh, microbiome, like in, incorporating a lot of those more root vegetables. And I guess a lot of them are sort of, they're not going to give you that very high sudden spike of insulin that a lot of the simple carbohydrates would have too. Yeah. I mean, if you eat something that's, that's, you know, digests more slowly and is metabolized more slowly, you tend to get a lot uh, less of a, of an insulin spike on it. And those are foods that are generally high in fiber. Yeah. You mentioned very early days, Tom, something that it stuck out, that really stood out to me. I've, I've got a little note here as, as we were in discussing and you mentioned journaling and how important you think it is. Why do you, why do you think it's so important? And, and, and what is that? And, and further to that, what does journaling actually look like for you? These are great questions. <laughs> and thank you for those great questions. I appreciate it. I would say if I, I mean, journaling is sort of the foundation of, of each and every day uh, for me, you know, um, and I find that it's probably the most important habit that I, that I've developed over such a long period of time. Mm. Um, what it does for me, you know, is it gives me the, the ability to, you know, to practice, I guess, practice and reflect on how I want to create my day and how I can continue to develop to be, you know, a better person. And those are the things that I look at the most. And I've had so many people ask me, like, I don't even know where to start with journaling, right? I I just crack open a, a, a 
blank page and I have a blank mind. And for me, what I do is, I mean, I wake up in the morning, get a cup of coffee and, and I started by asking myself a question, right? Like, what could I do today that I didn't do yesterday? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the things that I'm grateful for? You know, um, and sometimes I'll get hooked into something and I'll journal about the same thing for, I, I mean, for six months. Like one of the things I journaled about is mortality, you know, and fear. Like, what are the things that I'm fearful of and how do I let go of fear? And what is fear? You know, I mean, fear is living in the future. It doesn't exist right now. So it's, I mean, it's a lot. When people look at my journals, they're just like, yeah, I get that away from me. Are, they, are these just blank journals, Tom? Or have you got any specific, or it's, it's purely just blank pages that you will then fill out? They're completely blank pages, meaning yeah. they don't even have, they're not ruled. There's no lines in them. Mm-hmm. And I start with a, you know, like a full sheet, you know, journal. Um, and it's just a blank page. I put the date on the top and then that's where I begin. I'll ask myself a question like, what did I do? You know, what did I do yesterday that I won't do today? What am I going to do today, you know, to move myself ahead in these particular areas? Um, you know, one thing I really, really got hung up on and for some reason I can't seem to get off of in my journaling is, is the serenity prayer. So mm-hmm. I kind of ran into the serenity prayer by, you know, cause I read the daily stoic every day yep. and it, and stoicism has a lot of that weaved into it. And there was a passage out of the daily stoic one day that was like, you know, that was talking about, uh, you know, it was talking about the, the serenity prayer and it's just asking to have, you know, the serenity and the peace of mind to accept the things you can't change. Mm-hmm. And, and really I focus on that. Like, what can't I change? I can't change other people. Yeah. You know, I can't change time. I can't change aging. I can't change death. I can't change oblivion. So why should I care? Like, I can't change those things. And I mean, the second part of it, you know, is, is asking for the courage um, and determination to change the things that you can. Mm. And the things that you can change are your mindset, your thoughts, your behaviors, you know, how you spend your precious sacred time and with whom you spend your time with. Mm. And I, and I mean, the final end of it is asking for the wisdom, you know, and finding that wisdom and clarity to know the difference between the things you can change Mm. and the things you can't. It's so yeah and it's just like once you realize once you start to realize that let go of the things you can't you you can't control you know Mm -hmm. the things that you can't change that are outside of your ability to change like you might get pissed off because you know i mean we used to have a president that i think was a bit of a nut i can't change that you know I, i mean i can't change all of these things and so why should i why should I spend my time ever getting upset by the things I can't change and just stay focused on my job? Yeah. You know, and my job is the best things. I think, I think journaling, which you've just said is probably one of the best things I always say for, for emotional intelligence. And because it is, it's our emotions pretty much, which control our behaviors and all that. We can develop um, some level of an emotional talent and, and ways, what you've just said, things that we can control, what's in our control, what's out of our control, we're going to make better decisions and we're, we're really in charge of our own actions. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Those are the things that we do control. And if we can focus on those things, you know, like focus on being good and focused on, on being compassionate and generous, you know, and showing grace to others. I mean, that's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> we're here to try to be better people. And if you do, I, I've found also too, if you do jot them down, if you've got a journal and you actually physically put that pen to paper, nine times out of 10, you're, you're 100% more likely to go ahead and let's say if it is help someone for the day or be good or whatever it might be. If you have written it down, you're more likely to do so. Oh, 100%. I mean, I live by the philosophy of think it and ink it. It's like if I've got an idea, it goes down on paper. And if I'm trying to achieve like any type of a goal, I mean, it gets weaved into my journaling as well. Like mm-hmm. I create a goal, like set an intention, you know, and sort of create this this outcome that I want and then build an action plan around it and follow that action plan and fall in love with your process. So yeah, definitely when you write something down, it gives it power. Yeah, I love it. It's awesome. It sounds a little bit more like my journaling practice there, Tom. It's something that... That since starting this whole journey of the health project and really changing um, the way I look at life, it's something that I incorporate daily. And I, I think just about every single guest that I've probably interviewed, and it just shows um, how important something like journaling is. I think just about every guest like yourself um, has mentioned it too. Wow, that's fantastic. We're going to finish, Tom. Um, I, I won't take up too much longer. We're going to finish. I'm going to put you on the spot with a couple of questions. <laughs> yeah, they're not too challenging. Uh, the ones I've just thought on. Put off on the spot. So um, just give us the best response if you can. <laughs> One question, Tom, what's your advice? Anyone out there, obviously listening, um, if someone's struggling with metabolic disease, I know we could go on a loophole. We've covered, we've covered plenty here, but what would be just one advice for someone out there who would be suffering with um, some sort of met- met- metabolic condition or disease? I would, I would just say discipline equals freedom. I mean, that's a quote by Jocko Willink. And I think that if you can find your inner discipline, you know, to refrain from the things that, you know, that are, that are causing your metabolic disease and to restrain from the things that temptation, like the donut, um, dig deep, find your, find your discipline. Yeah, that's awesome. Jocko is the, uh, the very famous man. He's, uh, I wish I didn't know Know too much about him because he sort of changed my uh he changed my circadian rhythm I'm now a much earlier riser <laughs> on the back of his uh some of his motivational talks <laughs> yeah he's uh he's tough like that he is last one the tom what's your favorite keto keto food my favorite keto food that really varies it, it varies between what i would want like if it's sweet or savory and i would say that if it's savory a really well cooked ribeye um if it's sweet there's there's these caramel clusters <laughs> that are made by a company called high key and hands down that's like my favorite sweet so i could probably live off of ribeyes and and those high key caramel clusters love it yeah sounds sounds good to me i think it's been awesome, Tom. It's been it's been great chatting. Uh, you and I, I think we share very very similar uh, beliefs and outlets. Outlook, sorry to to a lot of things, whether it's it's health or business related, whatever it might be. But you, 
as I said at the beginning, your bio, it's pretty incredible. You're obviously constantly doing good things. You're constantly trying to help the lives of others, trying to improve the life of your own as well, which is so important. Um, it's not just all you've, you've got to, you've got to look at yourself as an important human as well. So I've loved chatting time. It's been, it's been awesome. And um, it's great to have you on the health project. Well, thank you so much, Jed. I appreciate that. Those are very kind words. And, and um, yeah, I, I appreciate you keeping me on my toes today. No worries. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,